Well, God is good to us, isn't He? He gives us exactly what we need right when we need it. And I'm anxious today to, to open up God's Word with you. Open up your Bible to, to the book of Ephesians. And um, we've started into chapter 1. And I, I'm hoping today that, that we can make it through some more of this. I'll tell you my plan. Um, I want to walk through verses 3 through 14 and see how far we get. There's what I'm calling the sweet 16. 16 things that God does in your life the moment you trust Christ. When you put your trust in Jesus, when you turn to Him and stop leaning on yourself and lean on the only way, the only truth, the only life, Jesus Christ, God does a miracle in your life. Sixteen things Ephesians describes. There's more in your New Testament. But Paul has shared with us 16 things here. And they are bedrock truths of who you are in Christ. Who you are. When I was, uh, when I had, my children were younger, we played this game that, that might be a good illustration to start us out on our track today. Um, we would do this thing, and we called it uh, the burrito game, I believe. And what would happen is we'd bring all the kids out in the living room, okay, and we'd take a blanket, and we'd lay it down, okay, so the, the kids are just small, you know, like four, five, six years old, all right? And you lay them in the blanket, and then you roll it up like a burrito, okay? You ever done this before? Okay? You ever done it? Have you ever had it done to you? And then you stop. And then me as dad roll them over so that their weight now is holding down the, the sort of flapping end, right? And now they're laying there, okay? And they can't move. And it's so funny to watch the personalities of people when they're experiencing the burrito game, okay? Any volunteers want to try it? Okay? There are some people that it's fine. They're just laying there like, you know, no big deal. Okay, I, I just go to sleep. You know, I'll just relax. But there are others, and those, some of you know who you are. The idea of being confined in a space, okay, and you cannot move, and you are stuck right there, it drives you crazy. Anybody know that you'd be one that would, would not like that? Yeah, some of you are like, I cannot. Oh, even the thought, I'm getting nervous. But the funny thing was, we'd roll them up in that, and a day just later, ooh, they start kicking around, and there's not much you can do to get out. Of course, they never thought, they never thought to just sort of unroll, right? That would have done it, but no, they didn't think of that. They just flop around, kind of like a mermaid, you know, on the, on the ground, trying to get off the, out of, out of this blanket. And then I would run over his dad, you know, and, and take the blanket, and just pick it up, and, and unroll onto the carpet, and say what? Do it again! Do it again! Do it again! Some of us hate to be confined. Some of us hate to be limited. Some of us hate that bondage that can come our way. You know, through the history of mankind, man has done some pretty wicked things to one another. And I don't think you can get much worse than slavery. I don't think you can do much worse than that where you have a person, a human being now, who is now totally enslaved to another. And they're, they're totally, just absolutely, their, their whole life existence is about meeting the very demands of this one who in their minds own them. Of course, the United States has an ugly scar on our history. For a, for a number of years, we practiced the the horror of slavery, as many Africans were brought to our country and treated this way. It's not only us, though. The Egyptians enslaved the Jews. 
The Romans, the Greeks, the Persians enslaved people. In India, slavery has been an issue. China, Japan, Korea. Most of the European countries enslaved Africans in the 1800s. Of course, we have the United States. The Ottoman Empire enslaved Christians in the early 1900s. Japan enslaved the Chinese. The Germans enslaved the Jews. The Soviet Union, they enslaved anybody to disagree with them politically. And we understand why this is so wrong. And why it is that we as humans desire to be free. An unalienable right, right? Liberty. That God has placed that in us. And I believe that Scripture indicates that, quite honestly, that we are, we are made to have the freedom to exist. Well, today I want to talk about a slavery. I want to talk about an enslavement and a freedom that could come our way. As I said, we're in Ephesians chapter 1, okay? And I'm going to have Randy put these up, put the, the next slide up. Go ahead, one more, one more, buddy, one more as I read this. I want you to see the 16 things that are, are described here in Ephesians chapter 1. And we'll try to explain them in detail as we go along. Let me just read it. It is God's Word. Let's read it. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Even as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before Him. In love, He predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of His will, to the praise of His glorious grace, with which He has blessed us in the Beloved. In Him we have redemption through His blood. The forgiveness of our sins according to the riches of His grace which He lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight. Making known to us the mystery of His will according to His purpose which He set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in Him. Things in heaven and things on earth. In Him we have obtained an inheritance. Having been predestined according to the purpose of Him who works all things according to the counsel of His will so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of His glory. Verse 13. In Him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in Him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of His glory. In this passage, we have all three members of the Godhead, Father, Son, Spirit, doing a work in your life. Now my hope is to get through a lot of these today, but I'm going to get as far as I can and stop and pick up next week. And trust that God is going to instruct us today on who we are in Christ. But the first thing I want you to notice, and make sure this kid hits the slide for them, is the role of the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. It's all through the passage. The Father has the act of deciding. The Father decided to work in our life. He initiated this work into our life. We were slaves to sin. 
We could do nothing but sin. We could only do the will of our master sin. And so to be delivered from that required a miracle. It required a civil war to end slavery in our country. But folks, as horrible as that is, and as as magnificent as that war was, it is nothing compared to the slavery of sin that we are all born under. And God came to earth and decided, the Father decided now to bring you to Himself. Oh, God loves you. For God so loved the world. Right? But didn't just end with the, with the act of the Father. The Son stepped in. And as you look at the next sort of portion of verses, we see the Son in the act of accomplishing as He went to the cross and died for sinners and died to sin. The Son accomplished this work at the cross and finished it complete in us. But it does not end there. You know the Bible says that you are being saved today. Your salvation's not finished. You know that? Hebrews 10.10. It says you're, you're not done being saved. You are still in the process of being saved. God, before the foundation of the world, chose to save you. Jesus, at that moment in the cross, finished your salvation. But then we see the role of the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God is in this act of sustaining your salvation. If the Spirit of God left the scene, if the Spirit of God left you, you would run away from Christ. You know that? Don't feel bad, so would I. If for one moment the Spirit of God left any believer, we would abandon Jesus and and climb right back in to the slavery of sin. The whole tri- the triune God now is working in your life to save you. What a great truth this is. And don't, don't allow it to skip. Don't allow it to go away. Don't get so enamored by the, by the things of this earth, the tinsel and the flashy things around us. This is the reality. This is the reality of your existence. Your relationship with God. That God the Father has decided to save you. That Jesus has done this work to save you. And the Spirit of God is sustaining you in that salvation today. That is the reality. The rest of all this stuff is nothing but a smokescreen distraction from who God is and what He has done. It's why we must come together as believers. It's why we must come together. Because we see all around us people who are enslaved. Who are enslaved. As I've watched the television screen, like many of you, over the last 24 to 36 hours, I see people who are enslaved. Regardless of what particular moment over the last 36 hours you're thinking about, because I'm thinking about the whole ball of wax. I'm thinking all of it. As people are enslaved and seeking freedom, they're seeking freedom. Freedom to to shine. Freedom to be who they want to be. Freedom to do whatever. But in reality, the only answer to man's call is Jesus. 
That's what I think when I see whatever number of 100,000 of people it is at any moment on that mall. Is the number of people who need Christ. Who need to be released from the slavery of sin. And I'm reminded of the words of 2 Peter. Listen to this. 2 Peter chapter 2, verses 18 and 19. You want to write down this reference and think about what this means. As you watch the news, as you watch people demonstrating this truth. 2 Peter 2, 18 to 19. Listen. For speaking loud boast of folly, sinners enticed by sensual passions of the flesh, those who are barely escaping from those who live in error. Listen. They promise freedom, but they themselves are slaves of corruption. This world and all of its powerful people and and all of its demonstrations of of either opposition or rah-rah-rah, they are promising a freedom they cannot deliver. No person can, can bring the freedom that we're designed to have. No human institution, no individual, no movement will bring the freedom that God intends. They promise freedom, verse 19, but they themselves are slaves of corruption. I want to preach freedom today. I want to tell you about the freedom that we have given by the Father, provided by the Son, and sustained by the Spirit. Let's jump in where we left off last week. Today we're jumping in at verse number 5, and it says this, In love He predestined us for adoption. So let's start here. This is an act of the Father. We know that it happened before the foundation of the world. And the Father predestined us for what would happen. Now what does this predestined mean? Well, in it you see the word destiny. Destiny. See it? Predestined means a promised destiny is what it means. It means that God, before the foundation of the world, did a work in your life. If you are in Christ, if you have responded to the gospel, God did a work before the foundation of the world to promise a destiny for you. Isn't that awesome? And folks, we're so anti-God in our nature. We are born such opposers of God that it took a work of the Lord of the universe before the foundation of the earth to wake us up. To give us this promised destiny. Now there are many words that are used in your Bible. I I came up with about five that speak to the same concept of a promised destiny. I'll share them with you quickly. You can look at some of these verses later on if you want to. First of all, the Bible talks about knowing believers. That God knows believers. You find this in Jeremiah 1. You find it in the passage that Pastor Billy read in Psalm 139. That God knows us who are in Him. If you are in Christ, God knows you. He knew you before the foundation of the world. This is a special relationship that God has with His children. 
Ephesians 1 is going to say, earlier in verse number 4, it said that He chose us. This is another word that God uses for this promised destiny that God has given in our life. That He has chosen us. Another word is that of foreknowledge. That God had foreknowledge of who He would work in their heart. And the last two are predestinate as we see here. And one more is the word elect. Now, this concept, this theological truth is bothersome to many people. And it's called unfair and unjust. And here's how it's characterized. It's characterized this way. That God sometime in the past looked at all the humans and He said, you know what, I think I'll choose you, you, you. Because I like you guys. The rest of y'all go to hell. That's how it's kind of characterized what God did. Now, I'm not going to try to defend what the Lord has told us in His Word. Who am I to defend God? I'll allow Him to defend Himself. But I want to challenge you with this idea. If God had not worked, if God had not spoken into lives to awaken hearts, every human being would spend eternity in hell. Romans 3 says that man does nothing but oppose God. Our mouths are like an open grave. All we know is to oppose. No one seeks after God on his own. Romans chapter 3. So you see, man had a desperate need for God to work. And so God has revealed that that's what he did. Hold your finger here and go to Romans chapter 8. Turn back a couple pages to Romans chapter 8. Now many people understand this truth. They understand what God is revealing. Okay, And, and quite honestly, it's, it's not that they can't see that God teaches it. They just quite honestly don't like it. I encourage you to take that up with God. And, and deal, go to the Word of God and see what He has to say about these facts. Jump in with me at Romans chapter 8, verse number 28. Let's see what it says. Verse 28, And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to His purpose. Now listen, here it comes. For those whom He foreknew. This is an intimate relationship, a close relationship before the foundation of the world. That's what that means. For those he foreknew, he predestined. This is a promised destiny. To what? To be conformed to the image of his Son. In order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. Verse 30. And those whom he predestined, a promised destiny, he also called. And those whom He called, He also justified. And those He justified, He also glorified. Now, I'm not going to try to make an effort to defend what God has done. I'll allow Him to do that. But I want to comfort you with this truth. If God has worked in your heart, if you have turned to Jesus Christ, if you have responded to the call of Christ, God has a promised destiny for you. That is an awesome truth. And God is going to finish it. He is going to work in your heart. He's going to work in your life. 
And the end result of this thing, we know what the end result is. It is conformed to the image of His Son. That applies to me. And it applies to you if you're in Christ today. He is going to work you into his, the image of His Son. What a great truth that is. It's a huge encouragement to me and a challenge to me and brings me to the place where I worship God with, with knowledge of what He's done. That God worked in me. But listen, it also encourages me in another way. It, that same process encourages me in the lives of other people. Isn't it a great truth that those that you know who are in Christ, think about who they are. Think about your spouse, your children, your parents, your friends, other people in this room. People who are in Christ. Now think about them. they got a promised destiny. God is going to work in their life. Be encouraged today. He is chiseling them away to be conformed to the image of His Son. Listen, I know people who, who got to get up in the morning and think about their loved ones. And if you didn't have that truth, if you didn't have the truth of the promised destiny of God working in their life, how would you get up in the morning? How would you face another day? If you had a spouse who was going through difficult times, and on their own, they would abandon God. They're hurting. They're, they're struggling. They're discouraged. And you as, a, you as the a spouse, there's nothing you can do. You look to Jesus. You look to God. And you celebrate and be encouraged. There is a promised destiny by God. You know, I, I shop at Walmart a lot. I see all you guys there, right? We bump each other all the time. You know, the awesome thing about Walmart is this. And if a Walmart manager is hearing this, maybe they need to change their policy. But I can buy anything there with no risk because they'll take anything back. I don't quite understand how they do this. You know, you can buy a blender and use that thing and I don't like it and they take it back. It's all dirty and, you know, I will sell it again. again. I don't know what they do with this stuff. But there's this guarantee at Walmart I mean, if you can, like, get it through the door, okay? And it's surprisingly, what, what people will bring through, they'll bring a shopping cart, you know, old dirty battery, and they're returning it. How do they do this? I don't know. But Walmart has this guarantee, and they stand behind it. This is a guarantee from God. He will deliver from slavery. He will bring freedom in Christ. He will conform to the image of his son. This is God. This is under the God the Father section now, is what God is doing. Okay, let's go back to Ephesians 1. Moving along. We're never going to get done all this today, but that's okay. That's all right. Okay? Next, what did he predestine us for? Well, he predestined us for adoption, it says. Man, adoption is a beautiful, beautiful picture. It really is. What a wonderful truth it is when a set of parents make a decision to take another child into their life and choose now to bring this child into their life and take them as their 
own. Listen, if you're adopted today, you have a beautiful picture of what Christ has done in our lives as believers. And you have parents that love you, who chose you, to chose to take you as their own. What a blessing that is. But listen, if you're in Christ today, the God of the universe has adopted you. He has adopted you as your, as his own. And what this means is he has received you. He has received you into his family. You had no right to be in his family. You weren't born with the right to have God. But he gave you, he chose to give you this right and to bring you into his family as his own. And the beautiful thing that we see in Scripture, all through Scripture, it's found in Galatians 4, it's found in Ephesians 1, it's found in Romans chapter 8, it's found in 1 John chapter 3, it's found in John chapter 20. The beautiful thing about this adoption is we are now given the right to call the God of the universe, what? Father. Father. You see, the Bible says that you know who our Father is? Before we're in Christ? You know, we got this whole idea that we're all children of God. We're all, we're all children of whatever. Children of Mother Nature. Children of the earth. Children of God. Listen to what the Bible says. The Bible says that we outside of Christ are children of wrath. Ephesians 2. Children of disobedience. Ephesians 2. And Jesus said... Children of the devil, John chapter 8. Folks, that's our heritage. But God, in His mercy, adopted us so you and I can approach Him now as Father. As Father. My father was a great man. I love him dearly. Taught me a lot of good things. But you know, in the economy of this world, he's just a regular old guy, right? Just a regular old guy. A welder, a mechanic, you know, worked at the local factory. But you know what? When I would step into his arena, see, when I would step into the world where the welders were, where the mechanics were, where the pipe fitters were, okay, now, I'm a son of Lil T. Mac, as they called him. And that was a big deal. Outside of that arena, didn't really mean much. Didn't really mean much. But step into his arena, where he ran the show, where he knew what was going on, I was a child of his. Listen, you and I, Father, our Father is the God of the universe now. When we step into his arena, which is all of creation, we're His child. This is what God has done. Go over to Galatians chapter 4. Okay, let's see it there. One page back. Galatians chapter 4. Galatians chapter 4. And see this liberty that God has brought. See this slavery that God has ended. See this freedom that He has brought. So we can say, thank God, I am free at last. Galatians chapter 4. Verse number 4. Let's read it. But when the fullness of time had come, 
God sent His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law so that we might receive, here it is, adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the Spirit of Son into our hearts crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. This is who you are today. You can now approach God with confidence. You come to Him as a son to a father. Into His special arena where He runs things. We come to Him now as Father in this special relationship through His Son. We are now His children. We can approach Him boldly, Hebrews 4 says. We can ask anything in His name and He will do it, is what He says. We can ask for any good gift. He's not going to... No father, when her son asks for bread, gives her child a stone. No father, when that when their child asks them for a fish, gives them a serpent. You as ungodly fathers know how to treat your children good. How much better does your father in heaven know how to treat you when you come asking him as your father to work? Slavery broken. Instead, fatherhood of God. Let me say this because because I'm really getting out of time. The last thing here in Ephesians 1, what this is, is He has placed us as His adopted children now with a planned destiny. He's done all this work. Let's just finish out verse 6 so at least we can get that done. It says, this is all according to the purpose of His will, to the praise of His glorious grace with which He has blessed us in the beloved. You know what that means? The word blessed is the word grace, okay? Grace means to receive something you did not deserve. It means to receive an unmerited favor. It means that you didn't deserve to get this thing, but God gave it to you. And so really what that passage literally says is this, is God, if you are in Him, He has a planned destiny for you, He has adopted you as His child, and He has graced to you to be placed in the receiving effect of His love. That God has graced you into His beloved. God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son and all that. It's very, very true. But if you are in Christ today, turning over to Ephesians chapter 2, it says that He has loved you with much love. God has placed you into the Beloved. That's where you stand today. It's nothing you could ever earn. There's nothing you could have ever done to add to this. God didn't decide before the foundation of the world. God didn't see that you would earn this right in your life. No. It is all an act of the grace of God. To those who received Him, He gave now the right to be called children of God. And these children of God have four things that we've seen today that are true of them. You, as a child of God, I can promise you four things this morning. One, a planned destiny. 
He is conforming you to the image of His Son, first of all. Secondly, He has adopted you as His child. He has received you as you are now. He has received you as you are. Received you. Adopted you. Not only has He predestined and adopted you, but Ephesians goes on to say that He's placed us in the Beloved. In the Beloved there, He has received us so that His love is there. This is the grace of God. I'll ask you, have you received it? Have you received it? It could be that the planned destiny for today was for you to respond to the Spirit of God. He does that. He works in lives. He opens up hearts. He convinces of truth. And maybe today, to put your trust in Jesus. Maybe, maybe this was the day before the foundation of the world that God knew that He would call you to Himself. Will you respond? I also want to say this. These are all truths that are true of you if you're in Christ and they're finished. But I want to challenge you that though these things may be true of us, some people aren't fully understanding their impact. And it may be that you, this may be true of you, but you need to feed your soul with these very truths and understand in a greater way what it means for you to be in the Beloved. It's where you sit today if you're in Christ. Let's pray. Father in Heaven, Lord, I thank You for this truth. God, You have placed us in You. Lord, draw us to this relationship. We know that it happens the moment of salvation, but our, our growth in You increases our ability to worship You about these truths, Lord, over these truths, and to, to grasp them so that we can respond to You in obedience and love and bring joy to our own hearts. So Lord, glorify us in You today. And may we see the freedom that You have brought us. The freedom from the slavery of sin. And instead, adopted us as Your own. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.